Hey, everybody, and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we've got a pretty exciting schedule for everybody. So as the thumbnail has alluded to, maybe a little bit in the top left corner, uh, we've got two big pieces that we're going to be diving into tonight. Uh, the first one being uh, Robert Eggers' new film, The Northman, that I got to see. Uh, it's funny to say, too, I saw it opening night with my brother uh, last week. Uh, it was a pretty decently packed theater, too, which was nice to see. Uh, and then the second piece that we're going to be talking about is the New Avengers Illuminati comics. That's our comic book of the month. Uh, but it's also pretty timely that we decided to make this our comic book of the month when today, uh, apparently, a new teaser trailer came out for Doctor Strange. I have not watched this teaser trailer. I have nothing to say about it other than I did see that there may be something in this trailer that has to do with these comics. So if you saw that teaser and you said, I need some more information, uh, you've come to the right place. But surprisingly, too, there were a couple of other big pieces of news that came out today in the movie world and specifically in the Marvel world. So Sony is at a uh, convention right now. And they must be feeling really good about themselves because they made some pretty bold announcements today. Uh, they announced a new uh, Spider-Man spinoff movie that we didn't know we wanted or needed at all uh, called El Muerto that is based on a character from uh, a piece of Spider-Man comics. He was a wrestler. Uh, when I first saw the news, I was like, who is this guy? I'd see, I've seen the comic book cover before. I've read the comics, uh, but it was so long ago that I, I barely remember. It was like a one-off villain, uh, but it sounded pretty cool. I guess they're getting Bad Bunny to play the character. I mean, all of that to me when I saw it was like, okay, cool, great. Call me when the movie is done, Sony, because at this point, I don't trust. We're still in a, in a very low trust zone with Sony, and then they have the audacity to not only push back uh, Spider-Man uh, into the Spider-Verse or the next one across the Spider-Verse to 2023, uh, but they released and announced some uh, pieces about it. They showed a 15-minute clip at this convention. I don't think it was released to the public, which I think is wise because you don't delay your movie and then release a trailer or a teaser for it just to make us wait even longer. They also said that there are over 240 characters in this movie which again okay cool that's awesome if we love spider-man right but uh you know it's funny uh our good buddy jim on the agents of field podcast he brought this up i completely agree uh, and we had actually talked about this during my morbius episode as well that sony hit gold with into the spider-verse in that and i don't know for sure but it sounds like other people are thinking this too that they were very hands-off with into the spider-verse uh, because it was an animated movie was my guess that they were like, we don't care about this. All we care about is live action. Go make your movie. And then they made an amazing movie. Uh, and Jim was saying, and I'm also concerned with this, that Sony is going to get more involved with this movie now that it is so successful and has so many eyes on it. Uh, so it will be very interesting when that movie finally comes out to see how different it is, not just from its predecessor in terms of plot and story, but also around the behind the scenes, around the way the movie is made as well. So um, that's a pretty interesting piece. Uh, but like I said, cool, cool kind of news drop today. Very exciting. So without further ado, let's dive into The Northman. So again, this was a movie that I was really looking forward to. I'm a huge David uh, Robert Eggers fan. Uh, for those of you uh, familiar with him, he did The Witch back in 2015. And then he also did The Lighthouse. And so we actually get a couple of returning stars uh, in Anya Taylor-Joy from The Witch, and then also in Willem Dafoe from uh, The Lighthouse, which is any time that we can see any of those two, and plus most of the rest of this cast on the screen, it is always a treat. So that's where we'll start. Uh, I'm going to break down some of these performances in the movie. I am going to talk some spoilers with it, but as I found out at the end of the movie or later when I was reading some reviews, this is actually uh, or not original content, I guess you could say. You know, in a way, it is the original content, but this is actually the story that Hamlet was based off of. So way back in the day, Hamlet was actually based off of this old Norse tale. And uh, that's so starting with Alexander Skarsgård plays Amleth. So not the same as Hamlet, but very, very close to Hamlet. 
Uh, and it is, it's kind of the exact same story. I read a, I read a review around uh, it saying, you know, in a way similar to Lion King, but also very different and much more violent than Lion King. And I would completely agree. Alexander Skarsgård absolutely kills it in this movie. Uh, he's essentially the young son of the king. And just like in Hamlet and Lion King, his father is killed by his brother, by his uncle. And he is banished from the kingdom. And in this movie, it's a little different than that. He isn't exactly banished. They tried to kill him as well. And he flees. And uh, uh, we're going to dive into it. Like I said, I'll try not to spoil most of the movie. But uh, I do want to talk about some things with it because I think there's some really good points to put up, point out, especially if you haven't seen this and you're wondering if you, you should go see it in the theaters. Uh, and that's really funny. I, I'm looking at the comments here. Sarah, you just mentioned it wasn't based on Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I literally just told my buddy Todd, uh, I said, Todd, you would love this movie. It's a mix between The Green Knight and Assassin's Valhalla. Uh, and I haven't even played Valhalla yet, which I know is kind of a crime. I'm getting there. But based on everything I've seen, it's it's shot for shot. It's incredible. So Alexander Skarsgård plays the young son. His kids or his parents are uh, Nicole Kidman, uh, who plays Queen uh, Gundren. And then his father is Ethan Hawke as King Arnvindil, uh War Raven, which was great. I mean, Ethan Hawke and Nicole Kidman. Uh, killed it too. And I've got notes here. I, I decided whenever I'm doing these, if it's worth calling out, I'm going to talk about if I think any of these things are, are Oscar worthy, Oscar nominated worthy. And yes, so I've got Alexander Skarsgård for best actor. Uh, nominations, certainly we've got a long way left in the year, but I, he deserves a nomination. Ethan Hawke and Nicole Kidman both deserve nominations, even though Ethan is not in it for very long, right? Because in the story, he dies. But we're going to start with the three of them because the, the movie opens up and takes place in 895 AD. So for some of you, it's, it's a long time ago, right? There were no cell phones. There were no, uh, you know, anything really. It was basically the, it was worse than the Wild West, I guess you could say. It was a, and, and it takes place in, in Northern Scandinavia. And most of the movie also takes place in Iceland as well, which was really cool. But again, he's a little kid. His father's the king, comes back home from war. And they're celebrating. They're having a big celebration. And that that night, and this was really funny because it comes into play later in the movie. Uh, there's a there's a quick bit where Nicole Kidman, as her wife, says something like, "You know, let's go to the bedroom so I can keep you warm." And he says, "No." And he walks up and goes, I, "Something about I really want to die on the field of battle." His father is obsessed with dying and going to Valhalla, which again. Back in that time, there was no streaming. There was no comics and cinema. So there's a lot of things. They didn't have a lot of things to look forward to. So I think I, I guess dying was probably the best thing you had back then. It was a tough time. Uh, but then he says, you know what? I think it's time. <laughs> I've seen, so Brian said indoor plumbing. It's going to be big. Yeah, exactly. Definitely none of that. Um, it uh, it was funny, though, because they he takes his son to the uh, this like this hut. And inside the hut is like a shaman. And it happens to be the jester as well, who we see earlier at the party, uh, who is Willem Dafoe. And Willem Dafoe not only plays a killer jester, but he also plays a killer shaman. And he does this really weird sort of trance with them. The movie itself is wild. I mean, the camera work, I put that down. Cinematography was absolutely incredible. Uh, and they're doing this thing and it feels like it's in a cave. And they're both on all fours, him and his son, Hawk, and uh, this isn't Skarsgård at the time, but um, they're pretending to be wolves. And they're drinking from this, I think it's like a hallucinogenic uh, water, basically. And so he's trying to teach them how to, you know, be villains. That's so funny. Be villains. No, they, they kind of are villains, and we'll talk about that. But to be warriors and, and to learn about his family tree, very, uh, very Viking-type stuff. Uh, which is really cool. But then the minute that they're done with the ceremony, kind of the same way in Lion King where, you know, Mufasa's teaching Simba about where he comes from and this whole kingdom's going to be yours. And then uh, literally the next bit of it is uh, his brother, who is played by Klaus Bang. His name is Fjolnir the Brotherless. Uh, not at this point in time, though, because he hasn't killed his brother yet. But he comes and they're they're right there. They, you know, they come out. He makes no secret about it. 
And I thought that was really interesting uh, in terms of that context with it being such an old time period that his brother just shows up with a band of people. Like it's not just his brother, it's a group of them. So picture, you know, 10 hyenas with, with uh, scar. And he's like, I'm going to kill you. Basically. I, I, he doesn't give the best reasons. Right. I mean, he's just like, I, I'm sick of it. I, I want the kingdom and he kills him. And then his son runs away and hides. And uh, the next scene, you know, he gets back to the village and the village at the same time is being like sacked and all of the people have turned on each other. And he's got um, uh, Fjolnir has his mom and he's like carrying her out like he won her as a prize. Uh, and it's it, this entire movie is very um, the I keep thinking of like shocking. The movie is very shocking, but it's not necessarily that it's shocking. It's just really visceral. So I was expecting this movie to be really, really, really bloody and violent. And it is, but it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, which is interesting. So, you know, they use the use it tastefully, which was nice. And in these scenes, too, like you don't see any of these things happen. Like, again, when the Vikings take over a place and they show it in the in the future pieces as uh, Skarsgård grows up, uh, which we don't get a cool Hakuna Matata and Sarah, I'm seeing there, I'm wishing that there was a, a hammer there named Mjolnir. But um, there's no growing up scene. The next bit is just him as an adult. So he's Skarsgård now. And he is now a part of, uh, and before I say this, I say one of the, in terms of visceral, he sees all of this stuff that's happening in his town, freaks out and uh, tries to escape. So he runs away and just runs to like the edge of the cliffs and goes down there. There's a boat down there. And he just rose into the ocean. And that's the last you see of him as a little kid. Kind of the same as, I guess. And it's so funny, I did not expect to be talking about Lion King as much as I am in this. But he, he's as he's rowing away, he's crying. And he just keeps saying, I will avenge you, father. I will save you, mother. I will kill you, Fjolnir. And he just keeps repeating that over and over, screaming it as he's rowing. Which, again, was very traumatic, very visceral watching it. And then the next scene's him all grown up. But he's in this completely different place now. He's an adult. He's absolutely ripped for those of you out there that are looking for a little bit of eye candy. Holy cow. Um, I don't know if Skarsgård worked out prior to this film, but he, wow. And not only that, he's basically a part of like the Dora Milaje for Vikings, where he's a part of this very, it's almost like a Spartan uh, group of like eight guys. They all wear wolf skin. And there's this really cool scene where they're all dancing around a fire and chanting and, and then making wolf sounds. But they're all really insane warriors. And so like the, the next scene is them sacking a, a place. And it's literally reminded me a bit of the Revenant in that um, they're, they're up on top of the, the barracks, I guess. And it's like a log sort of place. And the guy, they're like, oh, there they are. And the guy launches a spear. And Skarsgård runs, grabs the spear in mid-throw, turns around and swings it back and kills the guy. And then the rest of them start like climbing the walls and Oh, man, like if you're into action, if you're into that sort of stuff, you would love it. Uh, but then again, after they've sacked this village, they're rounding up all the women and all the children. You're like, oh, no, I know what's coming next. Right. They put them all into a room. You never see what's coming next, uh, except the fact that they like light this place on fire to burn it. But um, I won't spoil anything other than beyond that, because there's a really cool scene in there. And I, I won't say what she plays, but we get a viewing of Bjork. Uh, for those of you who are Bjork fans, uh, I have not seen her in a really long time. I did not know it was her during the movie. But again, there's a lot of mystical elements in this movie. So there are pieces where he constantly is having visions, visions of his father, visions of his birthright, visions of what his destiny is. And that to me was my favorite part of the movie, because again, you're looking at it in this context of... Um, it's in 895 AD. So like, where, where are these visions coming from? Right. I mean, it's, it, we almost can't process that having known as much knowledge as we are as humans in the year 2022, but he, you know, at night he's just sitting there and thinking and, and grieving in a sense and plotting and planning on how he's going to kill his uncle. And so what ends up happening is uh, they sack this town and a bunch of them get, you know, like shackled up and sent to, to be slaves. And so he joins a group of slaves, excuse me, who's going to Iceland because he overhears that Fjolnir is the one who's running in Iceland, the Iceland place. And man, I, I can't explain it, but I was like, oh, 
here we go. Like you are in trouble, Fjolnir. That he just, you know, he even they're they're branding all of the slaves. And he just goes and grabs a brand and he says something like, I hope that I can drive this into Fjolnir's heart and then brands himself so that he looks like he's a slave. And that's where he meets Anya Taylor-Joy, who uh, plays Olga. And she does an amazing job. She's not in it a bunch, but she's essentially like his counterpart for the rest of the movie. And I won't spoil anything past that to say that there's there's some great scenes between the two of them, but she practices a different kind of magic. So you you see that, uh, or you could call it a religion at this point, because uh, Amleth is very, you know, talks about Thor. They're obsessed with Odin. They have a room in the, uh, where they're doing that ceremony at the beginning of the movie. Uh, they have a room that has a giant statue with Odin in it. And they're, you know, that they can pray and worship to sort of thing. But she practices earth magic. So she's basically like a pagan in a sense, one of the early pagans. And it's cool because there's like, there's a bit where they're trying to plan, you know, that just, and again, I won't spoil it. Safe to say that uh, Amleth's plan when they arrive and he tells this to Olga and they're kind of teaming up is that, uh, you know, they're going to basically scare everybody in the village to the point that they're going, they think they're going insane. And in, in terms of like maybe killing a random person and putting them in a really religious type of position in the ground and everyone's like, oh no, we're, we're cursed. Uh, but at one point, Olga's brewing a stew that she drops a bunch of mushrooms in. And so you see the, the hallucinogenic effects, effects of that in the camp. But again, it's, you know, 895 AD. So they have no idea what's happening and they are all freaking out. But again, uh, there's so much more that I kind of want to say about those things. Uh, but I don't want to spoil all that except to say you got to go see this movie. The one thing that I'll point out, though, and this was something I wanted to talk about was as I was watching it, my brother and I, we said, you know what? It's weird. Uh, this is, I think, the first Nicole Kidman film that we've seen since she got her gig as the AMC spokeswoman. And it's funny, too, because uh, we're, we're, you know, walking out of the theater and saying to ourselves, we were trying to think about, you know, oh, what? what is the bit that she says in the movie? And it's funny because I actually found it online because um, she says dazzling images on a huge silver screen sound that I can feel somehow heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Well, in this movie, uh, I would change that. And this is all I'll say, this is a spoiler without spoilers. Somehow mother's kisses feel good in a place like this. Uh, that's all I'll say. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was great. She, she, I was just beyond impressed. She played, a very interesting role in that you don't know where her allegiances lie and you learn throughout the movie too this idea that no one's really the good guy in this movie i mean maybe you could say olga is the good guy but when you're talking about the men of this movie this is a very masculine film and the first thing that i said when the movie was over i turned to my brother and i was like man, that's some toxic masculinity. <laughs> and that's, it really was this entire time period. And specifically what's being portrayed in this film, there is so much of that. There's a, there's a bit when uh, when Amleth is in that ceremony with uh, Willem Dafoe and his father, where he, it's, it's ceremonial, but they show it through magic. So it's like real in the movie where he gives his last tear uh, away. He like stores it. And, and, and the symbolism of it being that is the last time that he is allowed to cry. And then again, the rest of this movie, all he cares about is violence and, you know, avenging his father. But you get to this piece where, um, and again, maybe it's a little bit like Lion King. I wouldn't call it a spoiler. You probably guess what's was going to happen. But uh, him, and, him and Olga get very close. And you get to this point in time where he has to choose between revenge and starting a family and having a life free of that type of pain. And again, you're in a time period where they probably didn't have therapy and they didn't have people reaching out and texting you saying, hey, are you doing OK after you lost your dad? Right. Because, you know, he basically yeah, watched his dad die and then got into a, a car and drove 100,000 miles away. So it's, it's just very different to see how primal these characters were and how toxic that situation is. And it's funny to think about too. The other, the other piece that I thought as I was leaving the theater was there's so much death in this movie of just random death where you, you know, the, the, the slave owner, right. Just kills a slave to set an example. And I just kept thinking to myself back then, the, you know, there, there weren't as many people on the planet as there were now. 
And I thought about the butterfly effect and how, you know, oh, if you go back in time and kill, you know, Hitler when he's a baby, you're going to set off all of these different things. And I was just wondering to myself, like, how many timelines and lives, like family trees, were ended during that time period due to pillaging and and plundering and all of that sort of stuff and slaughtering, really? Uh, it just, I don't know, it made me think because I was like, wow, these people just die. Like all they do is they they grow up. The women sometimes learn how to, I guess, sew and, you know, do the weird wood things that they're making. And and then they all get killed in, in a raid. And it means nothing because those people then get killed by someone else. And so it was just so strange to think about. And I, and I say that, too, because I, I know part of my ancestry is, is um, Danish from Denmark. My family's from Denmark. And so I wonder if my ancestors were in those shoes, though, knowing me and myself, my ancestors were probably hiding uh, somewhere away from all of it. They probably had very, very soft bankers hands and were hopefully playing video games. But, uh, but no, it was just really interesting to think about how many lives were lost back then and how many lives are lost all the time through violence. But it was a strong message. And I really liked that. So like I said, um, this was an awesome movie. Uh, I would put it right up there. I, I would say it's probably my least favorite of the three Eggers movies. I would probably, in order, probably do The Witch, The Lighthouse, and then Northman. Uh, maybe flip-flop the two. But again, they're, they're so close. That's like saying one A, B, and C. So um, I, he's firing on all cylinders. The last thing I'll say about this is this movie, if you didn't know it, uh, has a $90 million budget. Uh, which is insane to me. This was, I thought it was an A24 film when I was going in and you guys know how much I love A24 films. Um, my brother was like, no, 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 this is not A24. I was like, oh, okay. It's a universal movie through focus features. And so a couple of different um, studios kind of shared the load, you could say, or Samwise would say in terms of the budget, but they still spent $90 million on this movie. It only made $23 million uh, coming out of opening weekend, which I think is is natural for a movie like this. But I think it's interesting that the studios were still willing to bet so much money on this film. Uh, so hopefully it pays off because again, it was an awesome movie. I highly recommend you checking it out. Uh, the other the other pieces I was going to nominate were score and sound. I was just listening to the score uh, before joining and I'll call out. You can find it on Apple Music. You definitely can find it on Spotify because I was listening to it while I was gaming the other day. Uh, but it's by Robin Carolyn and Sebastian Gainsborough. Uh, and it's awesome. It's like an hour long and it's like 50 tracks. So all of them are super short, but you get really gorgeous drums and, you know, fiddles and all of that old time. There's even a, I don't remember what the name of the instrument is, but the one that does like a twang, like Rango, like boing, boing, boing. It does that in one part, which is pretty cool. But yeah, so that's the Northman. Guys, as we transition from movies to comics, from cinema to comics, I should say, uh, I'm going to go over a few things with you tonight. We're, we've got a very, very special guest uh, joining us to talk about the new Avengers. Uh, and before we do that, though, I do want to call out two things. First being the new comics on Marvel Unlimited. If those of you have not checked them out, there's some really good ones this week. Uh, we get a new issue of Eternals, issue number nine by Kieran Gillen really heating up and it looks like it's getting to the breaking point where uh judgment day and that's uh, correcting me from the last show uh avengers x-men eternals judgment day uh is coming and you can tell that it is in this for sure uh really really cool one shot from called from death of dr strange uh called black knight and x-men Cy spurrier does it and i have not read his black knight uh i think it's black knight curse of the ebony blade it was a five issue mini series uh, and I'm going to check it out now because in this issue, uh, he has a daughter, which was really cool. And both of them share duties as the Black Knight, which, again, I feel like I learned so many things about the Black Knight in this. And I wonder if they're going to pull some of that from Black Knight stuff going forward. So that was really cool. Uh, the Ben Riley Spider-Man miniseries just started. I read the first issue. I enjoyed it. I did not realize that it was based in the 90s when the Clone Saga was. I thought that it was going to be current, but I'm enjoying that, too. Uh, we also got the new newest issue of Spider-Man with Ben Riley, uh, and in that one, he's having a mental breakdown, which is uh, kind of cool to watch, but also incredibly sad. Uh, and then the last piece is we got a new Moon Knight issue this week, Moon Knight number seven. Check it out if you like Moon Knight. If you're enjoying the show, this issue kicked absolute ass, so I, I would highly recommend it. Last piece. This was pre-ordered a while ago, but I wanted to show you guys a new hardcover that came in, which was 
uh, X-Men Inferno. Uh, and I had to show it to you because is this not the trippiest neon orange that you have ever seen? This is the uh, variant cover I ordered of the book. Uh, and, and just the best line in the back, too. There will be an island, not the first, but the last. This place will seem to be our hope for our kind. When those days come, remember these words. Bring me back. And if you cannot, if they will not, then burn that place to the ground. And that is uh, uh, Irene Adler uh, talking to her wife, Mystique. Uh, Irene being, uh, I believe... Uh, Man, I'm blanking on her name, uh, but it's in here and it's awesome. I mean, again, this is super short. Uh, it's four issues. They're really big, but I wanted to show this off because, again, it's gorgeous. I mean, even the interior is uh, all this crazy. I mean, I'd love to hold this up to a blacklight, uh, as Star-Lord would say, and see what happens. But um, very cool. So without any further ado, let's get our guest on here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Sarah Lydia. Sarah, how's it going? <laughs> Hey, uh, it's going well. Art, can you see me okay? Yep. Okay, yeah. cool. Looking great. Awesome. Good, good. Uh, yes, we are here today to talk about New Avengers Illuminati. So, uh, and again, uh, did you watch the teaser that dropped today? The, no, I don't think one. I did. Good, no. good, good. Yeah, I, I, I stopped <laughs> looking at stuff like weeks ago because I don't want to, I don't want anything else spoiled. Yes, I am the exact same way here at Comics and Cinema. We are very anti-spoilers, uh, and so we will do our best to not spoil anything for the movie in this talk, but I can't promise it because we're just talking about the comics. Who knows what they're going to pull into this movie? But that's going to be our discussion point. So super excited to talk. Uh, for those of you that have been following along with the monthly comics, what we're going to be reviewing today and going over uh, is kind of a, a Illuminati 101. Uh, they briefly were touched on in the, the Doctor Strange trailer. Many people caught and heard the voice of Professor Xavier and saw the people kind of sitting up there and assumed, ooh, that's the Illuminati. Again, Twitter kind of spoiled that for me with this teaser. And again, I won't say it, but if we're talking about it, it's the word. That's what they said. Apparently this word Illuminati is actually in the new Doctor Strange trailer. So how perfect is that? We have no idea why the Illuminati are in here. Um, I can only assume maybe, again, Dr. Strange did something he shouldn't have, but that is not how the Illuminati operate in the comics. And so what we're going to do is we're going to break down who the Illuminati are, what these issues pertain, and uh, kind of why you should check it out. So what we are going to talk about is uh, New Avengers Illuminati issue number one, which was on the road to Civil War. Uh, so it was a one shot. And then we're going to talk about New Avengers Illuminati one through five which was a mini series that dealt with five different sort of incidents where the Illuminati kind of dabbled. Uh, and then beyond that too, there's, there's plenty of other instances that we can talk about as well. Cause Jonathan Hickman talked, did the Illuminati in his own way too. Um, so with that said, this first issue uh, is uh, again, new Avengers Illuminati guys, I'd show you my copy of this, but I can't because I sent it into CGC to be signed by Brian Michael Bendis, and it's nice. already signed by Alex Maleev. So I'm, you will see it when it comes back to the house. This might be, as I was rereading it, both one of my most read comics, but I feel like this might be one of my favorite comics too. It's a lot of talking, but so much happens in this in just their words. Um, did you feel that same way, Sarah? Uh I I really enjoyed it. I was kind of um, I was kind of worried about uh, how many I flipped through it before I went dove into it, and I was a little bit worried about all of the words. But the way that Bendis writes is so conversational, and so it, it it's not it's not a taxing read it's like very quick and very conversational and and it's funny so much of it is funny yeah he and that's that's like a famous brian michael bendis thing is all of his comics if you if you see any comic on the shelf and you open it up you're gonna see a ton of word bubbles because he really likes talking when he's doing his stuff but <laughs> it's all natural conversation like mm -hmm. it, it is it flows it goes quick um which is really cool and then the art was interesting too alex maleev is a lot like david mack He's, he, I would almost call him like a more concrete David Mack because he's very, you can see all the characters. It's not as, you know, flourishing and beautiful, but at the same time, it's that very grainy mm -hmm. sort of distorted type of thing, which is, I, I thought was pretty cool too. 
Yeah, no, I, I like it. It's very, it's very crisp, I think. Um, yeah. but it's, you don't, you don't lose anything, uh, content wise. I think it's, uh, it complements everything very well. So the story, as it goes, is uh, Iron Man is deciding or is realized, and the story takes place in multiple time periods. It takes place both kind of at the beginning of where the Avengers were, and then also during civil, right before Civil War, as it's it's prelude. But the initial impetus of this meeting uh, is that the Kree Skrull War was going on, happened. Uh, and they they kind of lost. If, for those of you that are familiar with it, it's one of those things where it was a big comic event series back in the day. But the other thing is that the Kree Skull War is like always going on, and is all like that was just one battle. If I'm remembering right, it was one big battle. But mm-hmm. you know, no, there was no real winners or there's a lot of losers. But it still <laughs> happened. And, and so afterwards, Iron Man got everybody together, and the group was. Uh, and here we'll throw them back up on the screen. I'll through. This is just one of the coolest shots ever. But uh, the group was yes. Mr. Fantastic, Iron Man, Namor, Professor Xavier, Black Bolt, and Doctor Strange. And so as I've got this up here, um, I do want to read something because I was looking this up and I, I, I didn't really know this. But uh, Bendis explained why he chose those people, which is pretty cool. He said that each of them represents a certain something that is very special to the Marvel Universe. Namor is the king of Atlantis and represents the anti-hero mindset. Mm -hmm. Tony Stark represents the Avenger type hero, one who understands and appreciates that a hero can work with the government uh, and also represents the common man as he has no powers. Uh, Reed Richards for the Fantastic Four represents the science-based portion of the community. Black Bolt, king of the Inhumans, uh, which is interesting the way he said this because this series takes place I think six years, actually more than that, probably seven years before uh, uh, Infinity, when the Terrigen bomb went off. Uh, but he says, who, uh, the Inhumans are an important part of Marvel history and play an important part in events that have not yet come to pass. And he also represents a ruler and a king, uh, but that's also been filled by Namor. Dr. Stephen Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, obviously the mystical side and magical side of the universe. And then Xavier being the leader of the X-Men and representing the mutant community. So they all bring unique viewpoints. And in this first issue, they all meet in Wakanda. And Black Panther is there as well. They're trying to get Black Panther mm-hmm. to join this group. And, and none of them know that's what's going on. Iron Man gathers them all here and then explains to himself that the kree Scroll War shouldn't have happened. That every person in the room knew a little bit about the war. But no one was sharing ideas. No one was sharing resources. And he said, in the future, it would be a really good idea if we all worked together. And he's almost pitching this idea that Hickman sort of drew on of this Avengers world of all of the superheroes are working together to fight off these interdimensional threats. And no one likes the idea. (laughs) Not a single person thought that that was a good idea. But a few of them, and I believe it was Dr. Strange and Reed Richards, suggested maybe just us doesn't have to be a giant group because there's people no one's going to go for that but if it was just a few of us and we're all sharing these ideas and bits of information that we know uh, that could work and the rest of them are like yeah that kind of could but black panther is like absolutely not Mm -hmm. that is not going to work that is not a good idea you are going to turn on yourselves uh you he's like he said you just you basically just decided the fate of the world without having any close friends near you without your wives being here he's like i'm out and so he leaves and then the rest of them kind of bicker and talk, but they do come to an agreement that, okay, fine. If this, if this is the way it's going to be, we'll do that. We will meet in secret. We will have conversations like this and kind of go from there. What did you think about that whole, just the kind of beginnings of the Illuminati? Um, I, I was kind of taken aback when T'Challa dissented, but when he gave his explanation, um, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> they they just basically decided amongst themselves uh, this this huge this huge decision that would impact the world. And they just decided it like the six of them or the five of them, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah not not great. Um, but I also forgot. Um, I also forgot what a douchebag Namor is. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh, he's so he's, he's such a so pain. mean. 
Yes. He doesn't and he's like he doesn't even listen. And then no. they said that a couple times. They're like, Namor, if you would just listen to us instead of but that's like classic Namor is he just gets super upset and just yep. wants to leave. And they have that's Punches. in that one, right? Where where Iron Man he says something like, you know, I'm the king of Atlantis and I don't have to take this crap. And Iron Man's like you're on land mm -hmm. and then he just punches him into, into the, the ocean, ocean and they start fighting <laughs> it was like dude calm down man you're crazy but he also interestingly enough was the voice of reason a lot of times yes specifically yeah. during uh hulk's situation yes which we'll, we're gonna dive into so the rest rest of this issue um there's a piece of it where they meet back up to discuss the hulk which would have been uh right around this would have been right before civil war ii so uh for those of you that are fans of the hulk or, or need some great hulk reading if you go on and find it would be it's going to be world war hulk but then before that planet hulk which is kind of ragnarok and then before that there's a smaller one called prelude to planet hulk and in that prelude basically what happens is the hulk destroys las vegas he goes on another tear. He kills some people. Some people die. And S.H.I.E.L.D.'s like, we don't know what to do with him. Like this, it's that idea that they talk about so often in comics around, there's only so many times you can lock somebody up or slap them on the yeah. wrist before you need to just kind of either kill them or get rid of them. And so he, Iron Man brings the Illuminati together and says, what if we send the Hulk into space? Uh, and, there, and Namor's like, absolutely not. That is not a good idea. And uh, what I loved about this issue, Sarah, is there's so much foreshadowing in here mm -hmm. to future stories that all pans out. Like Bendis had to have known it from the, the summits or yeah. whatever. But he's like, if you do this, the Hulk will come back and you're going to all be responsible for the destruction he causes because he's so pissed. And that's what happens yeah. in World War Hulk. And the same thing happens in the rest of this issue where – um, he talks about the Superhero Registration Act, and that's essentially why this is the issue for Civil Wars. He brings them all together and says, hey, there's a law coming into place. It's not on the books yet, but it's coming up. I wanted to get your guys' opinions on it. And he essentially lays out exactly what happens in Civil War, which was, again, because yeah. he's such a futurist, was so cool to see that he got it so right, where he's like, yeah, it's going to be a couple of kids thinking they're doing a good thing, and then a bunch of people are going to die, and they're going to make an exam. Ugh, just, what did you think of all that? I love that. It's... It's so good. I really, I really liked um, the way that Tony was himself and he said that that's why Reed and I are are such good inventors is because we can anticipate what people are going to need before they know they need it. Um, I really loved that. Yeah. And that was interesting. Even in that, that issue, Reed was on his side. Yeah. And then you saw Dr. Strange on the other side and he's like, don't contact me again. When you yes. I that was great. There's also an interesting piece there with, with Krakoa, in uh, x-men right now for house of x power everything hickman did krakoa has been such a huge piece of it the island and mm -hmm. xavier mentions that in the comic he says we need to talk about this island called krakoa but they never they never, they never up, yeah which was very interesting maya mm -hmm. has a comment she said uh, this sounds like new avengers is this a prequel to it uh yeah in a way it is it's because it, yeah. the uh the new avengers story came out right around well, no, because it, it probably would have been maybe 10 issues already out that New Avengers was before this Illuminati issue came out. But this was this was during that time period, Maya. So the Avengers had just broke. They had broken up this this uh, disassembled, which is interesting. And that that was something we were going to talk about tonight, too. But we're, we audibled it because uh, there's so much to talk about with the Illuminati. But the prior storyline for before this was House of M. So basically what happened is Wanda. um Wanda, was, her mind was breaking because she was trying to figure out where her kids were, all of this stuff. And so she actually starts uh, kind of killing the Avengers. And so, you know, it was like, I think it was, uh, who was it? Ant-Man, Scott Lang died, Jack of Hearts died, Hawkeye died. Uh, and then that led was all called Avengers Disassembled. They disassemble. There's no more Avengers because of this. House of M happens and Wanda turns everything into the perfect world that she wants and then after that, there's a prison breakout from the raft and a ragtag group of Avengers, of, of superheroes uh, team up to fight them. And then they're like, hey, we should keep doing this. And so they became the new Avengers, which was a big deal back then. 
in terms of it being Wolverine was on the team, Spider-Man was mm-hmm. on the team, and they had never been Avengers before. And Sarah, I think the saddest part of all of this is I had that was my that was probably at that time you'd asked me that was my favorite comic run. I had them all. I I bought on eBay like the first ten issues because I had gotten from the store like 11 through 64, whatever mm-hmm. Bendis' run was. So I had the whole thing, and I'm in college, and I needed a little bit of money. Oh. And uh, I sold them. And I made a pretty good penny on them. I think I made yeah. like 150 bucks, which is great, except I'm looking and seeing that the first appearance of the Illuminati in issue number seven is going on eBay for $500. So yeah. uh, I definitely sold my stuff too early, but that is the that is the life of a comic collector. Am I right, hey, Sarah? That's, that's, that's what I ended up doing with my Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo and Nintendo 64. I had to uh, strap for cash in college and had to had to get rid of them. And I have wished so many times that I hadn't done that. But I know it's the it's like the if we could pass along one bit of sage advice and I, I still struggle with it because I still sell things. And then two yeah. months later, I'm like, shouldn't have sold that. Like if you're thinking <laughs> of getting rid of something, sit on it just a little bit longer and figure out like let it let it marinate for a little bit because maybe uh, maybe you shouldn't get rid of it. It might be valuable. Later. Unless you need groceries, in which case. Oh, uh, that's fair. Yes. You got to eat. So yeah. Every, everybody's got to eat. So so that's that issue. We don't see much of the Illuminati for a while. Again, civil war happens. A couple of other things happen. And then all of a sudden they release. And again, mm-hmm. <laughs> I had all these issues too. Oh, I have it. Yeah, I have that one. Yeah, have that uh, one that one's going for quite a bit as well. Is um, it really? Yeah. So oh, great. Nice. Um, <laughs> awesome. But this was the first issue. And so what I loved with this story, again, it was a mini series, so it doesn't stretch out beyond this. But um, each issue tackles a different thing that the Illuminati were doing, which was awesome. So this first issue takes place directly after the beginning events in the the prior issue so it deals with the scrolls so essentially they've decided uh oh i like this yeah go to the nerd emporium check them out on, <laughs> on instagram uh absolutely the uh the man i lost my train of thought sorry about that but uh, <laughs> the, the they go to take on the scrolls so after this event they go straight to the scroll armada and they go on the main ship and they're like hey Basically, we just started we just started a club. We're here. We're the Illuminati. And you better not mess with Earth ever again. If you do, we are going to wreck your world uh, and we are not messing around. And that's where we get the one of the coolest shots. Uh, if anything shows up in a movie, any movie it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. multiverse of madness. But if it does, this is the shot I need to see. Yes, is they sh- this is them showing up on the ship. And there and there's word bubbles in here as well. But Professor Xavier basically says like, oh, yeah, I'm the mutant atrocity you were just talking about because mm-hmm. they, they are very anti-human and anti-Earth. Yep. And so they, they fight for a little bit, but the scrolls actually get the best of them and lock them up in and study them. And that's the biggest irony of this all, Sarah. And I think I think uh, Kevin actually alluded to this when we were chit chatting about these issues of that Bendis just. He, he was such a storyteller. I mean, you look at his resume for Marvel, and he's just gotten hundreds of comics. Everything ties together. Yep. And in the, this issue, plants the seeds for Secret Invasion. Because if the, if the Illuminati hadn't gone on that ship, there wouldn't be a Secret Invasion. Because what happens during this bit is they're all being studied and it honestly it always makes me sad when i read it especially the mr fantastic part where they're like we want to see how much we can stretch him and he's just like on that thing completely miserable and i was just like god it's breaking my heart but they they study him in order to elude being able to be detected and then they also take this time to quote unquote like clone black bolt mm-hmm. so black bolt after this issue black bolt does a scroll and nobody knows it because they've used mr fantastic whatever to to do that so it really sucked but at the end of the yeah. day the issue was great because iron man figures a way out and they fight and they escape yeah and win the, and- the guy with no powers is the one that gets them out yeah, I love I thought that. That was super cool. Yeah. And they're dis- they were dissing him so bad too. They're mm-hmm. like, look at this guy. He's just a human in very, yep. very primitive robotic armor. Like yep. this- <laughs> we didn't even have to do much to take him out of this armor. It's pretty crazy. 
Uh, but yeah, he showed up and, and fought them. So um, any, any thoughts on this, this particular issue, Sarah? Um, uh, no, not, not anything that I would add. I think you covered it all. I just, I liked, um, I liked that shot of all of them there at the beginning and they almost got away. They, they, they were close to getting away, but couldn't. Go. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You're right. They, yeah, it was, it was one of those ones where like this, this issue by itself would have made a really good movie. Uh, yes. And just for yeah, the amount would. of highs and lows that were in it of like, oh yes, they're they're They got the upper hand. Oh crap. They got captured. Yeah. Um, well, great. Awesome. So next up is the second issue, which as you can tell from this, this cover deals with the infinity gauntlet, which was, this one was awesome. wild. I liked this one the best, I think. Yeah, this, yes, actually is the same for me. This was my favorite yeah. issue. Any Anytime the Infinity Gems get brought up, and and that's what's fun too, you guys. You, you hear, all you hear about in the MCU is the Infinity Stones. Uh, they've all got their specific colors. This is a good foray into why the, the comics are uh, very different because they're, they're gems. But then also, did you notice the colors are different? Yes, the colors Which are I different. Which I was, I don't know if I was a fan of that. I was like, eh. And that they're alive. Yeah, right. They're a lot. They communicate with each other. Yep. We learned that too. Um, and and the whole point of this, which I, I love too, is Mister Fantastic is collecting the Infinity Stones, and they're like, "Wait, what? <laughs> what are you doing?" He's like, "Guys, please just listen to yeah. me. That is why I invited you here, so I can tell you." Uh, but he, what did he say? He said he had he had an Infinity Stone. Yes. And then got this other infinity stone. And that's how he figured two out. Two others. Yeah. Two others. That's right. And that's how he realized that they were communicating with each other. But he said that each time that you get a stone, it's it's infinitely harder to find the next stone. But so he's got them in the gauntlet and he uses the gauntlet to try and find where the other stones are. And so the stones that are missing, if I'm remembering right, are the uh, time stone, the mind stone, and the reality stone yes yeah and so each little group of heroes goes to get them so i think it was like uh namor and professor x go get the mind stone and uh, it's cool and they, they all have their own herculean uh you know trials mm -hmm. and tribulations trying to get these stones uh which was cool i really liked the what was it the time stone where they uh I don't remember what they did. I know with the Mind Stone, it was like, it was like water. all of consciousness yeah. that they had to go to, which was really cool. But they end up getting them all, surprisingly. And they end up putting them all on the gauntlet. And who shows up but the Watcher? And they're like, oh, crap. And he's like, Reed, <laughs> he says something like, <laughs> I expected I, better. I, he's like, I swear I won't interfere, but... I've interfered for you multiple times. You owe me one. Put that gauntlet down. Like, do not mess with it. And he's just sitting there uh, kind of... Actually, hold on. Brian's got a great comment here. Do you think the reality stone gave Jane Foster cancer? The things I think about when I can't sleep. That's interesting. Uh, the ether being so. inside her, that would make total sense to me. Yeah. Like, you know, some foreign entity that... Yeah, I mean... Some people have gotten cancer for a lot less. So I, yeah. uh, I, I would believe that. Um, but yeah, so uh, to Mr. Fantastic's credit, he tries to use the gauntlet to will them all out of existence, which doesn't happen. Yep. And so instead, uh, he gives a stone to each person. And, and that's the point of this issue, is that each member of the Illuminati has an infinity stone, an infinity gem, uh, which is, again, just... Cool to see. And, you know, each person, obviously, Professor X gets the Mind Stone. I don't think Doctor Strange gets the Time Stone, but he gets the green one. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. cool. Because I don't know if they changed the colors in the book. Yeah, I can't remember which. It's not the Time Stone. I can't remember which one yeah, it was. Because what? the I think the Reality Stone was purple. The Power yeah. Stone was red. Mind Stone was blue. Mind Stone, which that one's the same. Yeah. yeah, I think the Time Stone maybe was yellow or yes yes you're right is that what it was okay cool yep. well then that means the green one or orange is, yeah um power uh, i don't know but yeah, but yeah so know. that's the second one again interesting to see if maybe something around that is told in this we won't know now we start getting to the really misleading covers so you got issue three of five do you remember what happens in this one sarah mm, give me a hint this was uh the beyonder Yes. Oh my gosh. In, in the battle world. Yes. 
And this I one think, got better with time. The first time I read this one, I wasn't a huge fan, but reading it again now, I yeah. was like, this is actually really good. It's it's pretty good. And I do think I, I did anyone talk about the possibility of the Beyonder in Loki before we found out it was he who remains. I still think that we that that, that might have been Battle World that we saw all the Lokis in. Did oh, you like think the that void? too? Yes. Ah, uh, interesting. Because well, and that's what they were talking about. Because I feel like we've gotten hints of all, like so many things in this run. We've gotten little tastes of it in the MCU. I think. I agree, and that that was the biggest piece that I learned from this. Because if you would have asked me last week before I read these again, what happens in this issue, I'd be like, oh yeah, you know, they 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 meet with the Beyonder and basically convince him to go away. But there's this whole piece that we miss, which is that they go to Battle World. Which again, they didn't ever say it's Battle World in the in the story, but it's essentially in an, a, a giant replica of all of Manhattan on an asteroid out in space. And uh, Owen Reese, who is the beyond the Beyonder, I believe, um, or that's Molecule Man. I don't know if they're the same person. They, you're getting into that point now where oh, you're no, with these really me. super high powered characters who kind of are all the same. Yeah. Yep. But he, but they find out, which I thought was cool. I wonder if they'll dive into this. But they said that he's both a mutant and an inhuman. Ooh, I didn't catch. Did I catch that? So he was that's like, cool. well, and that's why he's so powerful. Is like he yeah. already had a mutant gene, but then he went through teragenesis and got inhuman powers as well. And so his whole thing is like he can manipulate all of reality, basically. So he's very, very yeah. dangerous, and that's why they go. And so the, the whole plan in that one is let's get Black Bolt to make him stop since he's the king of the inhumans, and he listens. Yep. He's like, okay. So, again, there wasn't – it was interesting because you're looking for a bunch of action and fighting, but it was a lot of just talking in a sense of like talking this guy down, um, which was good, I thought. I mean, again, it, it wasn't my favorite issue, but I thought it was good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get confused between that one and Marvel Boy, the Novar, because it's very similar, I feel like. Where oh, they and have the, to the title, give, the, the cover gives it away for the Novar one, right? You've seen that one. Well, yeah, but they, kidding, don't I'm they kidding. have to? Oh, okay. I was like, wait a That's the no. This is the Novar. Issue, yeah. It would, which I still don't understand why. I mean, sense, yeah. at the beginning of this story, uh, Doctor Strange basically is like, Cleo broke up with me. Yes. And they're yeah. like, what? And, you know, they have like, there's like two pages of them talking about their relationships that warrants them putting all of the women on the cover. Hey, yeah. I love the cover, but at the same time, where's Novar? <laughs> Cause that's what yeah. the whole issue was about. Well, I, but see the first few pages of that book are hilarious. I think they're hilarious. He wrote them so well. The yeah. Cause he talks about something about, um, what was Reed was saying something about. He's like, yeah, I read it online. He's like, you, I'm online. You're online. Yeah, I'm online. What? Why are we, you shouldn't be online. <laughs> yeah. His his I noticed that too. Did you catch that? His use of the parentheses. Yes. Was like really as a cool. Aside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially for like Professor X, because it, it almost was like an aside. I'm like, Professor, look at you trying to be cool. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, and this one was fun because again, you don't think about it. I completely forgot that you got Cleo there in the back. Uh, I never knew that was Cleo, but you got Medusa, uh, Mrs. Fantastic, or Invisible Woman. Uh, you got Madam Mask and then Queen Landra from the Shi'ar. That would be Professor X's lover. Um, but this was kind of similar. So Novar, who was kind of a Captain Marvel for a little bit in current comics, but at this point in time, he's a lot younger. He's actually on the, excuse me, he was on the Young Avengers. You remember that? He was on Jamie McKelvey and Kieran Gillen's Young Avengers. Oh, nice. Might have been in the the other one too. But his whole thing was he came to Earth and said, I'm going to destroy Earth. Blah, 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 blah. And they were like, well, let's put a stop to him. But they said, no, <laughs> yeah. instead of like punishing him, what if we just talked to him and convinced him uh, to do it without fighting? And so they, I loved that. They, they basically tell him like, you, mm -hmm. you are a superior being. You are from a superior planet. And, you know, humanity is not where it's at right now. So you're wanting to just end it all without giving them a chance without protecting them like do you not remember what uh what marvell did back in the day and they're like call i love that they're really yeah. calling in on his sense of duty and he's like i love the ending too where he's just like captain marvel huh like yeah. it's got a ring to it and i'm yeah. like good thank you for not hurting our planet <laughs> it was good and the um the way that they used uh the way that they used 
Xavier's Professor X's psychic powers to show him what could be. Yeah, I thought that was neat. Yeah, great point. Because he's speaking they, identity over people. Because mm-hmm. they had asked him originally, like, can you just can you just go in and change his mind? Yeah, and yeah. He was like, I'm not going to do that. So I like that they found a, kind of a middle ground compromise there. Yeah, which is great. Uh, okay, which then leads us to again. You'll see it at the top of this. Uh, the final issue. What? This was a, a yeah. tie-in to Secret Invasion? What's going on? So what? this issue was awesome. And I forgot. Because yep. as I was reading it, you know, in the other issues, I'm, I'm every panel. Black Bolt's one of my favorite characters. And when, when it was revealed that he was a Skrull, and that he was a Skrull when the Hulk beat him up in World War Hulk, I was furious. Because I, mm-hmm. I kept saying, Black Bolt could have destroyed the Hulk in that yeah. fight. And so when we found out that it was a scroll, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And the way we found out. Yes, which is in this issue. And I forgot that it was in this issue, which was great. So they basically get, they gather, it's (laughs) this group. (laughs) This is the last time we're going to gather. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Every time it's like, we said this was going to be the last time, but we need to gather again. And (laughs) it's uh, like a bad relationship. Yeah, exactly. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So Tony brings, he's got a body bag on the floor and he's like you know oh we're waiting for everyone to kind of show up and in the body bag is a scroll body uh that has electra's costume on which is directly pulled from his new avengers run i think it was issue number 31 that uh they that that was the beginning of the secret invasion essentially the new avengers kill or i think it was echo actually kills electra and she turns into a scroll and they're like Oh, I mean, I remember when I read that and I was like, oh, no, it was crazy. And so now he's like, look at this. Look at this. Like, what are we supposed to do about this? And so as they're talking about it, people are starting to get distrustful. But all of a sudden, Black Bolt's like, you know what? I'm done. And so he just turns back into the scroll and he looks like a badass scroll. And then they fight him. And then they fight. Don't they fight more than one? Wasn't there another? There was, the, uh, they beat him and then two more appeared. That's right. That's right. Which was, again, scrolls to me, that's like, I, I don't know. You guys don't know this about me. Some of you do. I have a very huge fear of glitter because uh, it just it, it gets everywhere. It's like Easter grass. It's like sand. It gets into your toes <laughs> and your pants and your socks. That is the scrolls. And I feel like yes, anytime you bring the scrolls in, it's like, oh, geez, where are they now? Like, who's a scroll? <laughs> you know, even when Secret Invasion was over, I was like, did we get them all? Is there still a couple that are there? We never know. And so th- this was by far like the most interesting in that sense, because you're really and he even says again at the end of this, that's it. We're not meeting anymore because <laughs> he says we don't know who to trust. Yeah. And he's like this. We just we can't we can't deal with this right now. And so they all disband. And that's the end of the story is that. Again, it's the beginning of the Skrull invasion. So you see these points in time where uh, the Illuminati have kind of tipped their hands. And I'm going to double check to make sure there were any others that I'm missing. But um, that's that's it for Bendis's. And I, I don't want to we're not going to dive into Hickman's just yet. The only thing I'd be interested in and maybe your thoughts, too, is. Do you think there'd be anything Hickman related? Because Hickman's was all about the incursions, the planets colliding, and a lot of yeah. the that stuff. I don't necessarily know if we'll see any of that in the movie. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't. You mean just in Doctor Strange in the movie? Yeah, I. Yeah, just I, in Strange. Maybe yeah. in the future for sure. Maybe but. in the future, but there's just so many similarities that I'm already seeing. Uh, just from these, what were they? Nine comic books that we read. Six. Six. six? Oh, oh six. okay. Yeah. Um, but there's so many similarities to to what Bendis set in motion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's enough for me. That's enough to be even more excited about. I mean, I was already excited, but um, now I I'm just so uh, looking forward to seeing how they have written this. Yeah, uh, and then that new poster they put out today. Have you seen that poster? Oh yes. How many different Wandas are we gonna get? And the the poses that they have were so like the Wanda in the front's got like her hand like this, and then the Doc- Doctor Strange has like this really cool hand sign that he's doing too. Zombie uh, Wanda is even posing. Oh yeah, and, it's amazing. And it, 
uh, I saw there's a little tiny zombie strange too. That's doing, doing a little <laughs> something in the corner as well. No, I thought that, uh, and it just hit me now. I was looking at that poster and I was like, man, I feel like I've seen this poster before. Uh, it looks like the Annabelle poster. And I think it's, I think it's the Annabelle creation poster. It's the same color scheme of like a tan outline with red on the middle uh, but it's still in a very cool way, but it's still a classic Marvel poster. I, I did make yeah. a joke that uh, they were like, hey, I get we're, we're trying to move away from the character posters. Sure. There are not a lot of characters in this movie, but we do have a lot of variants. What if we just <laughs> put all of them on the poster? No one would know the difference. They're like, that's brilliant. That's awesome. So, you know, there's only four characters, but they're everywhere. Um, yeah. And you know, it's funny. I think. Um, Hickman obviously has been pulled quite a bit. Oh, whoa. Let's pause. Maya, that is a great question. Also, uh, and this is that we'll talk. My dad's got to come in there. We'll talk about too. Uh, who's y'all's favorite member of the Illuminati, Sarah? Oh my gosh. Um, I am going to go with, oh gosh, it either, either professor X or Reed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Reed, because he, uh, he maintains a good balance, I think, between voice of reason, but still having a human reaction to like Tony is too extreme this way. Namor is too extreme this way. But I feel like Professor X and in Black Bolt a little bit, too. I, I think I, I, I prefer the ones in the middle a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, I would say the same. I'd say my favorite is probably black bolt. And then my second favorite would be Mr. Fantastic for that mm-hmm. same reason. And, and I like him. Yeah. Uh, there was a thing I was looking to, and I think, I think it's actually on here. I'll scroll down. There's a earth. Uh, yeah. So you find out in Hickman's run. And, and for those of you that don't know, um, basically there's these incursions. And so every universe's earth is colliding with our earth. And uh, they either kill the other Earth, completely destroy it, or both Earths get destroyed. And so we get to see all of these different versions of the Illuminati in different mm-hmm. worlds. And in one of them, in Earth 231, Mr. Fantastic killed all the other Illuminati members to keep them from being too ambitious. And <laughs> I just was like, that's, that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, before we go any further, so uh, my dad's this is my, my dad, <laughs> said, where are the gargoyles? That's what I want to know too. I'm looking for Goliath to show up in this movie. <laughs> maybe we'll get them. Maybe not. Maybe a Demona appearance. We won't know. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, that's my brother, Joe. Yeah. Tie between Namor and Black Bolt, which is great. Namor, Namor, you hate him, but you love him. Cause he's, yeah. he, he really has a good head on his. Sh- well, he kicks butt when he needs to. He, he shows up when he needs yes. to. There's a, there's a piece where I think like Captain America asked him, for help during the Avengers versus X-Men during the Illuminati. And he was like, I'm not helping you guys, but I also want to let you know, Cap, I'm a huge fan. We've been friends for a while. And I'm not going to hurt you. And then he leaves, uh, which was pretty funny. Uh, but what I was going to say is I think uh, Hickman has had a lot of things taken and put into the movies, right? We've got the invasion of Wakanda, which is straight from the new Avengers Illuminati type run in infinity. Uh, but also a lot of the characters, and I wouldn't be surprised. We've gotten a lot of teases and talks about secret wars and yeah, you can get the beyonder to create secret wars and people are going to maybe roll their eyes at that. Cause that was fun in the eighties, but doesn't make a lot of sense today. Hickman's version of secret wars, all you, that, that whole impetus of secret wars begins with the Illuminati. Mm-hmm. So I think this movie is going to show you in one form or fashion, whether it's following Hickman's, or Bendis's because if they talk or make any even mention of incursions or of worlds, mm-hmm. you will know secret wars is coming. You'll know that's the direction they're going. There's some great stories down that line, but if it's leaning more towards secret invasion, which again, that's coming out as well. Maybe yeah. it talks about that, or maybe it talks about the gems or whatever that case is, then you'll know it's kind of tied maybe more to Bendis or in classic fashion, they may just do a little bit of both. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to it either way, either way they go. It's going to be brilliant. Yeah. It's going to be, I mean, just the fact that, I don't know. I mean, back then that was one of my picks. If you'd have asked me like, Alex, what are the comic stories you want to see on in the movies? I would have said civil war, world war Hulk, the Illuminati, 
Uh, and we're getting almost all of those. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's a great time to be alive and it's a great time to be a Marvel fan for sure. Amen. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. Any, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Any, any, uh, yeah. Announcements we need to talk about? Uh, Yes. Um, so I don't know if you know this, Alex, but we interviewed Kelly Thompson last week. I had already forgotten. Uh, really? Okay. So <laughs> refresher. We interviewed the Kelly Thompson last week, uh, and we are going to be playing um, parts of that interview this Friday and then releasing the full audio onto the Comics and Cinema podcast. I'll let you talk about that. But Friday, uh, we are doing the debut the Nerd Emporium's April Extravaganza, where we showcase all of the Nerd Life Network shows, and we do some special little bits in between um, the Kelly interview. So it's going to be really fun. We're going to do a giveaway. um, And then I also have a very special surprise guest in addition to Kelly. Um, So 7.30 this Friday, April 29th, uh, 7.30 Central Time right here on nerd life network yep and uh that full interview i've already it's already done it's already edited it is already posted but i have it scheduled to come out it'll be i think it's like an hour after video drops so for those of you that are already subscribed to comics and cinema on apple Podcasts, wherever you get it that'll populate in your feed later that night after you get to watch the video you can listen to the full interview uh, I got to tell you, it's like an hour and 15 minutes and it's amazing. It's awesome. I mean, you want to know a little bit about comics, a little bit about behind the scenes of maybe some teases of what's to come, but also just some like completely random conversations as well. Kelly was such a good sport. I mean, yep. she, she talked about anything and everything. So which sweet. Was, it was amazing. I mean, dream come true guys. She, she is, she writes Captain Marvel right now for Meet Marvel. your heroes. Meet she, your she, heroes guys. she writes black widow. She's done, does it all. Like the fact that we even got to be near her was incredible. So mm-hmm. that was awesome. Uh, tune in next week, next Tuesday. I'm still finalizing the details, but I think we're going to do a little bit of a doctor strange primer for the movie. So uh, talking about where all the characters are at in the MCU coming into this movie, that we won't be talking any spoilers since we haven't seen the film yet, but kind of talking about them and maybe giving some crash courses on America Chavez since she's in the movie and other, yes. other characters that have been sort of revealed. So we'll be doing that next Tuesday, same time, same place. Uh, but for right now for comics and cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein, Sarah, thank you again so much for coming and Thanks we will see me. you guys at the movies. Thank you.